The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his garments became glistening, intensely white, as no fuller on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking to Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is well that we are here. Let us make three booths, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were exceedingly afraid. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved son, listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man should have, been, should have risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what the rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, Why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? And he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. And how is it written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they pleased, as it is written of him. The Gospel of the Lord. So we move both in Mark's Gospel and in Matthew's accounts through the same chronology of events. Uh, you have the question of Jesus to his disciples, who do men say that I am, and eventually who do you say that I am? The proclamation of Peter, the bestowal of the keys upon Peter with that authority. Then the Lord speaks about his suffering and the cross. Then he speaks about the suffering and the cross of all of those who want to follow after him. And now he passes on and he reveals to them his glory. And so the Lord in his mercy, whenever he speaks of the crucifixion and the cross, is always tied to glory in some sense. And so here he takes with him his disciples, Peter, James, and John. So he takes these three who are often called into intimate moments of the Lord's life, either intimate moments of suffering or deep graces of healing or resurrection accounts. But he comes, they are taken in uh, to particularly mysterious and deep mysteries of the life of Christ. And so he takes with him Peter, James, and John, as we've said before, a lot of the church fathers see in them the theological virtues, Peter with regards to faith, James with regards to hope, and John with regards to charity or love. And he takes them up a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And so it's very interesting in this scene, as you see, everything begins to converge on Christ himself. They are following after the Lord. Their orientation and everything is towards Him. But even in terms of where they are in nature, they are moving up this high mountain to which the Lord will then sit at its pinnacle and on its peak. 
And if you know a mountain, all of the sides of a mountain all point towards the top. Everything of the earth, in a very real sense, will now point to the one who will seat himself at the top of the mountain. But then there's something deeply mysterious with regards to time, because Elijah and Moses appear with him, those from the past. Then the future glory of what he has is also shines out through him, and there's a glory that is his. And so you have this mystery of time and orientation, everything pointing towards Christ. And not only from below, not only from time, but then also from eternity from the Father. All of a sudden, a cloud descends down upon them, that wonderful Shekinah, which points out the presence of God amongst his people. And the cloud descends upon them, and then the voice of the Father is also over the Son. Heaven and earth, everything is pointing to this one uniting mystery, which is Christ incarnate, that which unites all things. And from our perspective, he is that one link, He is the one to whom we should be oriented. He is that single mystery that is, again, the culmination of all of our desires. The one whom the Father loves must become the one whom we love. This is my beloved Son. This is the one who has all of my love. And we can see that the love of the Father is directed towards the Son. And so it is an invitation from the Father not only to love the Son as He does, but also to become like the Son, to become like Him. And our likeness to Him increases, as the Father says, through our hearing of Him. Listen to Him. This is my beloved Son. Listen to Him. Faith comes through hearing. We must hear first in order that we might believe and that we might love and that we might be transformed by Christ. And so this mystery takes on, as I've said before, a liturgical type of style or flow to it. As they leave the crowds, they are taken apart by themselves. It represents a detachment from everything of the world. And as we step into the Mass, we know we go through the penitential rite. As we slowly ask forgiveness, as we consider our sinfulness, and we ask the Lord to break and sever those attachments in our hearts. And then what happens is he then speaks with Elijah and Moses. This is a very profound representation or type, if you will, of what happens in the liturgy of the Word, where the Old Testament, the Law and the Prophets, are fulfilled in Christ and are read in that way. And then what happens, we move from the liturgy of the Word into the liturgy of the Eucharist, where after the epiclesis, or the descent of the Holy Spirit, we have the words of consecration, So also what we see on this mountain is you have a descending of a cloud and in a certain sense a words of consecration, not in the same way. But as the the Father says, this is my beloved Son, so the priest says in the person of Christ, this is my body, this is my blood. It is a similar statement, a proclamation of the presence of the one who is loved, Jesus himself. And then after that wonderful mystery of the consecration, Christ is present, and then he is the central focus of our entire life, the mystery of the Eucharist. At the end of the consecration, we are left with a similar line. They no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. At the moment of the consecration, when the Lord is present, he is the one who then has our entire focus, the Eucharist, as the church says, the source and the summit of the Christian life. 
no longer anyone but Christ only. We participate in this beautiful mystery. The transfiguration, although we might not see his glory, Christ is no less really present here in our midst. This is the mountain that he has led us all up with faith, with hope, and with love. This is the mountain in which he wants to sanctify us. This is where he wants to draw us into his life so that we can be transformed in him and through him and with him. This is where we receive Christ and we become those tabernacles or booths in order to receive him. Peter wanted to make these tabernacles, but again, he did not yet know the depth of the mystery of Christ's love. Is that the Lord didn't want to dwell in a tent that was made by human hands. He wanted to dwell within us through Holy Communion. And so we rejoice today for this great grace, the gift that we have been given of our faith, that we know the things that we know specifically with regards to Christ in the Eucharist, that we can be here and participate in this great mystery where we are able to receive Christ alone. Amen. <laughs>